Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you for clicking on the Just Another Football podcast. Uh, we hope if you enjoy it, you would sp- spread it around and tell your friends about it. And uh, Make sure you stay safe. Love you all. Right, time to look at the games for this week's Just Another Football podcast. Oh, West Ham won. How can we something to talk about? Man City Derby was a nil-nil draw, maybe not. Everton won against Chelsea and oh, Arsenal have lost again. <laughs> Do we really have to fucking talk about Arsenal again? Just my um, thoughts, exactly. <laughs> hello and welcome to Just Another Football podcast again. <laughs> This week we have, of course, my co-host as always, Harry, and a special guest, our first foreigner, uh, Ali. <laughs> Delighted to be here. Why do put it? This is a diverse podcast, what it can is. we say? Um, what can we say, yeah. Ali also streams on Twitch and has his YouTube, so they'll be in the comments part of Spotify, and we'll probably put links on Twitter as well, so if you want to go check them Absolutely. out, much appreciated. Appreciate it, Rob. And Arsenal? They've done, they've, they've, out. they've done it again. They've done it again. It's time they've done to it again. He has to go, blood. He has to go. No, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, I'm sure. Do but, the same uh, pressing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, back in the stadium for one game. Uh, tier three. We lost. And they're back out again into tier three. Can, can we put Arsenal into like a separate tier to everyone? Like tier five. Like The, the fans aren't allowed back in just, I mean, until we're back sure. in the Champions League or something like that because it's so depressing. Or he's still playing, he's not playing entertaining football again. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't... <laughs> So, Good God. of course, if, if you're watching this, you've almost definitely seen the score from the uh, Arsenal v Burnley game. But last week we were saying it's, you know, quite important that Arteta wins this one. Mm. And to be fair to Arsenal, they won it on expected goals. You know? They, they scored uh, the only goal of the game. They did. Aubameyang, uh, you know. Great header. First goal since Fulham. First mm. uh, goal in open play. But, uh, Not open play. It was a corner. Sorry. First penalty <laughs> goal. Uh, first goal at the Emirates. Yeah, exactly. Just didn't know which net to put it in. No, he so, didn't. <laughs> the question comes around again. Arteta out, Arteta in. What do you do? You're an Arsenal mm. fan. Do you put your face in the bin until August? Do you back the manager? Do you think this the squad's the problem? I'll let you discuss. So I think in this podcast, we need to be a bit more critical of him because I feel like the last one was me kind of laying out all the problems at the club without talking about him. So it's kind of like all the things that are wrong with Arsenal, except the manager. So the things that I think need to be changed for us to move forward as a football club, other than the manager, because the manager, you know, in any scenario, it's easiest just to go, well, if you remove the manager, then it's obviously going to change everything. Well, you know, it was my personal opinion, and it is still my personal opinion, that that might get you so far, but I don't think it's going to get Arsenal fans where they think we're going to get to. And ultimately where we need to be to you know run as a self-sustaining model at the football club we need to be playing Champions League football and th- this current squad I think the ceiling is Europa League at best we shouldn't be 15th which is why I think we need to get into you know what's going wrong with the performances at the moment um really interesting game this one so I was back in the ground for the, for the first time um since March yeah and it was uh, it was an interesting spectacle. It was an interesting uh, sort of process actually of getting into the ground. I mean, 
I, you wouldn't be able to do that with you know twenty thousand people flooding in properly. I have to say that like, it's quite it's quite a rigorous process of sort of you know getting into the ground. But um, it's a strange atmosphere. I have to say, I I I saw a tweet from someone saying that winning the ballot in uh, quote unquote was like being selected for jury service. <laughs> <laughs> and and it felt a bit like that to some people sort of like you know um it was a chore to be at the ground but um i mean i don't know how much of the game you guys managed to catch um it's a really interesting one because we're poor at the moment right but I, and i don't want to take comfort from this but we probably were the better team i mean as you said we lost on uh, we won on expected goals uh we've we've obviously you know gone down to 10 men and they've scored from a corner and it's an own goal. And it's just like, were Burnley even that good? I do think the, the moment before, I hate talking about moments, but El Nani probably mm. should have got a red. And he definitely should have gone. And, and he's lucky yeah. the ball wasn't in play as well because it's a stonewall penalty if it is. So you could argue justice was done there. I think, I think in any case, conceding from a set piece like that when you're down to 10 men is really, really unacceptable. And it speaks to levels of ill-discipline that run far deeper than individuals, I think. I think the two red cards you've seen as well, obviously we're going to have to mention Granite Xhaka at some point, that you could easily just say, oh, well, it's Xhaka doing Xhaka things, right? And there is a sense of, you know, he doesn't take responsibility for what he does. He still doesn't apologise to the fans for, you know, what he did last year when he was booed off against Crystal Palace. And on the pitch, you know, it, there's been several incidents where he's let the team down. Um. But I also think it runs deeper than that because then you go three weeks earlier, Pepe's headbutting someone and getting sent off for the first time in his career. And I think we've had seven red cards since Arteta came so that's, in, which that's, is... that's the most in the league. That's, it's that's four it. more it's, than the next most. Yeah, it's four exactly. more than the next more most. So, uh, you know, there's a couple of instances like David Luiz has got a couple where you just go, that's David Luiz, right? You know what you're getting with him. But then there's a couple of other ones where you go, you know, I think more recently you could be looking at it and thinking... This isn't a happy camp. It's not a happy camp. And it kind of depends where you want to apportion blame for that. But I mean, what's, what, what's you guys' take on it from afar? Because, I, you know, I don't want this to turn into another sure. monologue. So I think I look at the dressing room and I think that's a dressing room that's divided. I think there are mm. players, so Tierney backed him. Uh, yeah. It's weird the players that have been playing well, actually, that back him a lot. Saka backs him. I think Gabriel. It's no coincidence, I think, to be honest so, with you. But then there's players like. Uh, people are saying Urzel. So I think Socrates is one. Louise is one. Where there's a bit of a divide. Those two are the obvious two, aren't they? Because they're not in the squad. Yeah. So that's that's that could be an issue. And I think I honestly think if if you can't get a dressing room sorted, we saw it with Poch last year. You'll get sacked. Yeah. It's the modern day approach, isn't it? You can't have a dressing room overhaul. It's just easier to cut your losses with the manager and yeah. and sack him. I I think on the dressing room. One of the main reasons I kind of don't want Arteta sacked, it might sound, you know, like I'm being a bit principled about it, but I don't want to see this squad do it to another manager. So the way that Emery was sacked, I think Emery had to go for, you know, communication reasons, especially. He couldn't communicate his message to the players and the fans, and we were conceding, you know, 20-plus shots every game. It, you know, it just became chaotic by the end. But how quickly this has turned on Arteta, I think says more about the group than it does the manager. Of course, he has to take blame for some of it. But I kind of just don't want to see these players win, o win over another manager or win it over another manager and he gets sacked and we bring someone else in. And then, you know, 12 months down the line, we're having the same conversation. There's a lot of players that, in my opinion, need to be moved on. Uh, Ali, you got That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, go um, for it, Ali. You, you have your take on it. 
Look, I I didn't watch the Burnley game for for the most part. I think I caught some like some minutes of the second half, I have to say. Mm. But what an opportunity he had last season in the summer when Arsenal were got their tactics right. They were playing the the three at the back. Um Salah's yeah. Sala wasn't having any sort of joy at all in that game. We we lost to you guys three one. Um, I, I'm a Liverpool fan. If you haven't clocked it, anyone? Yeah, if you haven't guessed, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. behind. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and then you won the FA Cup and you won it deservedly. You were you were walking team. Emmy Martinez came in into the side and and put some great uh, performances. And the dressing room looked really uh, looked really together. Mm. Climbing up the stairs is harder. It, climbing up the stairs is harder than falling down or like going down the stairs. And sometimes when you climb the stairs and you fall, there's there's no control over over yourself. So you you just if that makes any sense whatsoever. I, I think. Uh, I but if you start falling you down the that. stairs, it's done. You've probably broken a yeah. bone. Yeah. Um. That's what's happened with Arsenal at the moment. I think they started the season pretty poorly, not in terms of results, because they got the three-goal uh, win against Fulham. That mm-hmm. was fine. That was actually very decent. And then yeah. West Ham played a really good game on you guys. They did. I they think that was the win. start of it. I think that was the start of it. And I think that was a moment where Arteta might have started to think, okay, I might need to change things around here because people figured us out. And when he changed things around, he got it really, really wrong. And when, if I was a player, I was having that discussion with you, uh, Harry, yesterday. On yeah, 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 go for it. When, if I'm a player and I'm playing with the sort of tactics Arteta has been playing in the last three games right now, I would be repulsed. I wouldn't enjoy any training session where we're putting those plans together. I don't know if there is any kind of open discussion between the players and Arteta about the tactics, or if Arteta is taking suggestions from the players. I'd be intrigued to see what happens on the training grounds in terms of communication between Arteta and the players on a daily basis. I just I don't think that's the case. You make a good point about um, the the squad being a problem in terms of discipline and not really being on on cue with the manager. Uh, whether that's Emery or or Arteta, um, even Leonberg before that 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 wasn't really good either. Out of them, no, no, exactly. But th- at the same time, Arsenal being fifteenth on the pitch, there are examples of teams with ill discipline are doing much much better than yeah, that, and worse and, and worse squads as well, and with worse out. squads exactly. Um, that is the results on the pitch for me are in a huge part, probably for the most part, are down to Arteta. Now, whether the players are pl- are to blame for their willingness to play by those tactics, that is something that I can't answer because, as I said, I don't know what happens between the players and the manager on a day-to-day basis. But it's, it's, um, it is the tactics at the moment that have Arsenal in 15th. It's the board and the kind of managerial structure above the manager that has Arsenal out of contention for the league or the Champions League spots. Yeah, but it is that. Arteta that's knocked them a peg or two downwards yeah. and have them 15 something, uh, in my yeah. opinion. So we talk, we actually, loads of people talk about this, about where their squad is, and that's, if it's, a, it's a poor squad. Where do you think they are 
if, if, if the table was all squad and it was the exact same manager, where do you think their squad actually? Where do you think their squad ranks? I think it's still mid table. I think te- teams like you've got the teams that are playing right now. But then I look at teams like Villa, like Everton, Southampton, and go. I think their squad's better. I mean, it's difficult to argue at this moment in time, isn't it? Because obviously we're sat fifteenth. I mean, you know, where did where did we finish last season? Eighth. Yeah. I think it's harder to argue we're better than that right now, certainly. But even last season, you know, we, we finished eighth and we deservedly finished eighth based on the performances we put together and the way that the matches went. I don't know exactly what the expected points was, but we certainly wouldn't have been higher than eighth. If anything, we might have been a bit lower. So I just want to address what Ali said about, you know, the way he's setting the team up and, you know, the way the matches are unfolding. And and obviously, I think you're right. As a, as, as, as a fan from afar, so obviously you're not, you don't support Arsenal, so you can only really judge Mikel Arteta based on how he responds in his press conferences and in his interviews. Mm-hmm. And it is a real frustration of mine when he's continually asked about crossing. And I think that's what you're referring to when you say, as a player, particularly someone like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, for example, you'd be repulsed to be playing as a striker in that team or playing as a creative player in that team because it just simply isn't conducive with the players we've got to producing uh, goals and ultimately results. However, having been at the game last night and having watched them all on TV, with regards to the crossing itself... I would be astonished, and I know he's responding when he's asked about it, that, you know, it's pure mass. If you put more balls into the box and you put the ball in these dangerous situations, you're bound to score more goals. He sat next to Guardiola and saw them win two two Premier League titles. He's seen what it takes to win. I'm not saying he can necessarily implement that at Arsenal, but he's seen a winning culture and a winning philosophy. I would be astonished if he is actually actively trying to get us to put that many crosses in. I know the numbers would suggest that the only thing I'd caveat that with is when we get into the final third with the personnel we have and the way they're playing at the moment, there's very little uh, like movement diagonally. There's very few ball carriers. I think only Saka can really receive the ball with his back to goal and sort of turn and beat a man or, or yeah. run at a man. Only and, and the reason I think it's so cross-heavy is because we've got someone like Tierney who gets on the overlap and puts crosses into the box. I think at the moment, part of it will be him because he's obviously not finding solutions to creating in other areas. But I also think part of it is it's quite turgid personnel. So I think when you get into the final third and you're playing against the low block, you're seeing more and more teams do it. Burnley are always going to do it, right? They're not going to come flying out at us. Um the easiest option, I said this to Bob yesterday, the easiest option for a player to look up when they see you know, loads of bodies around, I don't see an obvious option, I don't really back myself to beat someone one versus one, there's no one showing for a quick one-two or making a little diagonal run to run in behind, I'll just put a cross into the box. Put a cross into the box, put it into a dangerous area. Now, it might be that how he's responding to, you know, when he's asked about crossing, is contributing towards this, and it's sort of fueling that, okay, well, the manager's saying this, so it's all right to cross. And I certainly hold him partly to blame for it. But I'm also sympathetic to him with the personnel he's got because under Emery, we won't cross heavy either. So there's a statistic, I don't know what percentage of you know, chance has been from crosses, but Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang this season, 21% of his shots have been headers. Last season, it was uh, 6%, I think, under Emery and then up to about 12% under Arteta. So you could say there's a sort of upwards trend, but yeah. not as heavy as what we're seeing at the moment. I'm a bit sympathetic to him in the sense that I think the personnel we've got doesn't 
necessarily represent, you know, a, a playing squad or, or, or an attacking unit that you'd say, oh, well, there's an easy way around it. But it's up to him. He's ultimately the manager. He knew the he knew the sort of job when he took it and it's up to him to find solutions. And I completely agree with you. The way we're playing at the moment is it's not, you can't get results with it. You wouldn't enjoy playing in a team like team, like the way we're playing at the moment. So you've got to hold him responsible. Um, on Arteta, I don't know whether, you know, how quickly we're going to move on from this, but it's important to say the one thing I'd be really critical of him for is when he came in, one of the first things he said, and I really remember it very clearly, is mm-hmm. when I'm manager at this football club, there's going to be non-negotiables. Because I think we all felt that standards under Unite Emery had slipped in terms of uh, effort, application, attitude, even ability. There's talk of the players you know, getting unfit under him. That's inexcusable for me at a, a top-level Premier League club, at any Premier League club, especially a club with the facilities and the finances Arsenal have got. Players to be unfit, I find disgraceful. So he comes in and he talks about non-negotiables. And what that represented to me was a sort of meritocracy. So ideally, right, if you're not going to do the things he wants you to do and you're not going to display the behaviours that you should be displaying, you're out. You don't play. And there have been instances where he's implemented that. You look at Meza Ozil, you look at uh, Matteo Ganduzi. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Saliba at the moment, but I think something's probably gone on there as well. However. He continues, and this is what will get him the sack if he continues to do this and the results stay as they are. He continues to pick the same players, the likes of Shaka, the likes of Willian, the likes of Lacazette to an extent, Rob Holding to an extent. You know, I might be being quite harsh on some of these guys. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Bob. I'm sorry. But the reason I'm not sympathetic to him for for the Shaka sending off, for example, is because he keeps picking him. He was dreadful last week against Spurs. And I know Party's injured, right? Maybe if Party's fit, it's Party and Elneny, which has been in a couple of other games. But mm-hmm. he put in a really poor performance. He's been dreadful this season. He's a very limited player. He can play well in certain systems, like the three at the back we were playing last season, where he could sort of collapse on top of the back five. And basically no one runs off him and in behind him. But ultimately, he's a very limited player and he keeps picking him and he keeps letting him down. And I think this meritocracy I talk about, when I look at some of the youngsters, we won six out of six Europa League games. We won both our Carabao Cup games. Yeah. been quite impressive. And some youngsters, such as Reese Nelson, uh, Joe Willock, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe the other night. Play uh, Balogun. Yeah, yeah. He should be. Yeah, play those people. They're not, they're not getting a look in. They're not getting a look in. And if you're a young player, you're not enthused by it because you're going to be thinking, if I'm not getting a game now, like, when will I be? Yeah. I think I think. I mean, He's, he's quality, mate. I, and, and that's what I hope he does on Wednesday night against Southampton. I hope he just plays a few of the youngsters because I think people will have more time for that. I really do. If the results aren't, you so, know, they're not going to get worse, are they? What, what Arsenal should do is they should give them to the end of the year unless they're going to get relegated. But if they I, think it, that's, I think that's what they'll do as well. And, and I think unless yeah. there's a serious threat of relegation, he'll stay in the job. Because also, as I said last week, I don't think anyone in the positions above him can sack him because they've cleared out the club. They've got rid of Raul. They've got rid of the contracts guy. We don't really have a proper director of football. We've got Edu doing the role. Edu was the guy who was involved in hiring Arteta. So he can't turn around and go. And and he's done an interview, funnily enough, tonight, talking about how, you know, the club are fully behind him. Edu can't turn around and go, do you know what, guys? I think we need to cut our losses with him because how can he not lose his job? So I was about to say, if Arteta goes, Edu's got to go. 
We put um, all yeah. our eggs in one basket with it. They're both they're both like both sides of the same coin, basically. But 100%. what I would say is ultimately, now uh, Rob Rob's original question was what level of squad Arsenal are yeah, at. I, I'd be interested to hear your perspective on it from a like rivals fan. Um, in terms of the names they have in the squad, mm. I read the names. I read the starting eleven team sheet out on paper. I look at it and I and I think either fourth to six minimum right but you see the way they're they're playing and you say that's obviously not the case you uh, have a reason for optimism with, uh, sorry go on rob i so i'd imagine one of those names so you're that. talking about is Aubameyang. i uh Aubameyang, lacazette um yeah. willian i think willian still has a few years of good luck he's not him. as he's bad just as been this. dreadful he's but not he... as bad as he has been but he is but bad you... this season. but there's contributing um, factors right so he's calm he's got his three-year deal it's his last yeah. big contract you know has he come for his last payday that's what i mean there are things that run deeper when you're actually assessing the squad exactly I mean? there you go that's what i mean when you read the team yeah. sheet if if you're like if you don't know anything else other than the names and you don't know anything about the results, for example, you haven't watched a game this season, right? Let's say you've you've not been watching at all, and you look at the team sheet and you say, okay, you have Aubameyang, Lacazette, Willian, um, Kieran Tierney has been like who was like uh, Celtics captain at twenty one. He is clearly yeah. a great player. Uh, Hector Bellerin, I don't know what happened there. Um, Thomas Partey, and you think Arsenal brought in Thomas Partey? That should that should be a really exciting deal. And I think it was sort of the right deal in terms of personnel, what was missing in the Arsenal midfield, not financially, not financially. Um, but like there are names there. Mesut Ozil, obviously, until you know he hasn't been mm-hmm. registered in the Premier League squad and all the stuff we know about. Um, but the reason I have for optimism is uh, like for Arsenal is the Europa League performances by the youngsters. You won six out of six. Yeah. Um, using the young squad you have at the moment, and that's why I think Arsenal are at least the Europa League squad because when your alternative eleven can put in that kind of performance, um, match weekend, match weekend, the Europa League, there's no reason why the first team squad at some point may be able to turn that around and um, get themselves kind of above mid table. But the table is still pretty, you know, condensed. Condensed. Man United did it. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Man United were like three points ahead of Arsenal at this stage and finished third. Lo- so... Yeah, last season. Yeah, that's right, because we're on the same exactly. number of points going into the game. We've obviously lost. Yeah. It's funny because you think, oh, well, if Arsenal just put together three or four wins in a row, they'll go from 15th to like, you know, 7th or 8th. It's not least. as easy as that, is it? And it's though? not as easy as that. It's exactly that. I, I just, it's difficult to see where those three or four wins are coming from at the moment. You think Burnley's going to be one of them and then you kind of build from there and I know there are mitigating factors that have gone into why we've lost that game, but you know, really good teams like Liverpool last season, they found ways to win games in certain instances where they didn't play great, but they kept winning by a goal and just we're at the moment finding ways to lose games. That game against You're Burnley finding yesterday. New ways to lose games. That's the like, creativity of that's very interesting. Yeah. I do, I do think if you look at Aubameyang, if you do, if you if you were to tell me he's Aubameyang, you just say this is a thirty one year old striker who plays on the left a bit and his numbers have been declining for the last three years. I'd go, well, he's a player declining. But then they gave him this massive contract, which I don't get. But I think that's, yeah, happening. I I think that's happening a lot over the Arsenal squad. I think Lacazette 
started but that's the thing isn't it so his numbers are getting worse but everyone around him is getting worse i i, I understand your point which is that he scored his expected goals is going down so you know last season he kept his numbers up but he probably shouldn't have he was just really yeah, clinical yeah, you overachieved it by five goals my perspective yeah. on expected goals has always been that I'm more critical of those around him because I know the sort of player he is. He He's a finisher. He's sort of like, a, a, you know, you talk about players that can have big impacts when they don't score. I don't think he's one of them. It doesn't mean he's not a top player when he's on form. And he certainly was, you know, for a lot of last season. But it just means at the moment when the goals aren't coming and they're not coming from, he's getting nothing. I have to be, I mean, he's getting absolutely yeah. nothing in terms of supply. And it doesn't mean he's blameless because, I mean, he isn't. You know, you look at the, the header yesterday, I know it's harsh, but like if that's Harry Kane at the front post, he heads it away. He doesn't head it into his own net. And it's it's little things like that. It's coming, you know, there was a chance towards the end where it gets played to him. And, you know, you've seen it a few times, like the Community Shield, the first game of the season where he gets that quick touch out and he just bends it into that far corner. Yeah, and he's almost like a few of those throughout the summer. He has. And he's it's almost like he's trying to be too precise. He's thinking about it too much. So I think there's a lot going on with him there. I'm not just buying into this fact that, you know, over a few weeks he's suddenly become a rubbish player. No, I just no, think not we're not we're not getting anywhere near the best out of him. And he's not blameless in that, but I think any striker no. would be really struggling to score goals in this team. I mean, the top goal scorer's got three goals in the league. Uh, so So that's a lot of Arsenal again. Uh, so we'll move on to Chelsea, uh, who lost to Everton, which was great to see Chelsea lose. And it does start to raise the question of their <laughs> of their form against the top half teams. I mean, they haven't scored uh, against the top half teams against anyone except from uh, Southampton where they got all three of their goals. And I I think what that demonstrates to me is Lampard has a squad that can blow away the smaller teams but can't compete tactically against bigger teams. So... I think I said this, like, if he comes up against the Hassan Heatle, he'll struggle. I think if he comes up against the Rodgers, he might struggle. Uh, so, and he, he struggled against Klopp, I think. Um, I guess the red card in that game kind of persuaded it. But still, it shows that this, we're now, we're, we're at a point now, we're 12, 13 games in. And we start to learn more about the season now. And you start to see stuff like this. And this is when you think, if you're a Chelsea fan, this is something that's concerning. Because, yeah. This is, and there's no right about it, you spent 200 mil, 250 mil really well, I think. So the limiting factor is could be between the Chelsea fans, stick with me with this, and you're going to fucking hate it. But if you don't win a title this year, I think it's mainly down to Lampard because you've got a squad that's probably good mm. enough. And, I mean, people like Werner is a good example of a player that Got a lot of en- got a lot of energy. He's not okay. He's got a few goals and goals and assists, but he's not exploded the way he did at Leipzig. But then he is good enough. He's he was Leipzig got to the semi final of the Champions League last year, and he was a big big part in that. We saw him against Tottenham. Him with Sabitzer absolutely blew them away. A Tottenham team that's now topping the league. Yeah. So Chelsea have got a they've got to understand they've got a really good squad because they spent lots of money in a COVID market, so they've got players who are even cheaper than they would have anyway. And then to play how they did against Everton, where they were they gave away a stupid penalty, where Eduard Mendy is looked really good, but then mm. just had an absolute moment of madness um, to give away the penalty. And I mean, he's kept five clean sheets in seven, so maybe they say, okay, from last year, 
Kepa was the issue last year. Okay, we've moved away from this again. Eduardo Mendy and we've got Thiago Silva here and he looks like he's starting to organise his defence. We've got a proper yeah. left back in and Chilwell over Marcus Alonso. But then you're not you're not putting the performances that your squad represents. And I think when people talk about managers, we, we just did about Arteta. Instead of looking about the results, look about where you think their squad should be. And I think Chelsea's squad is up there. Like, yeah. it's 100% up there. I think definitely is a squad. Definitely yes. is a squad. I actually think grave take. Uh, I'm going early on this one. Uh, it's probably no. front three is probably better ability wise than Liverpool's. It's just Liverpool decided no. to try. <laughs> so Liverpool, is that your hot take this week? <laughs> so so Liverpool, Liverpool's squad is so intertwined and it's so built in that everyone knows exactly what they're doing. Firmino, Salah, Mane, that they 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 just, they just get more goals because they know exactly where they're going to be. Ability wise. They're probably third best, but that I think that just shows like how good of a manager Klopp is, and the way that he's got <laughs> them players who are sure who are just trying to be level players, getting them playing at the top. So even if even if you agree or not, you still got to understand that that front three from Chelsea is better than yeah. not scoring a goal. What, what front three are we talking? What three are we are we saying? Here? So in my head, it's that, ta- it's, 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 it's Tammy Werner, and then or. They got a lot so, of sorry, wait, wait, wait hold on, two? hold on. If you're if you don't no, 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 even no, no, know Verna, what the Verna, Verna, three is, why are you comparing the two? Verna, <laughs> on the left. Verna spent a lot of time okay, on the left. Okay, Verna's on the left. Mane is much better than Verna. He is? No, I wouldn't say so. Verna got more you're goals. You're joking me. Verna got, look, more, Verna got more goals. Look, the one, like. the only thing uh, Verna is better than Mane, they, they both are famous for missing big chances, right? I remember a game against the game against Napoli. I remember when uh, when we qualified pretty much by that game, uh, we won one nil. One nil, the Allison save at the end. Yeah, Mane should have had a hat trick. Yeah, uh, that's he, right. He missed chances that are harder that. to miss the to to miss the score. So, um, um, but he he like the one thing that Werner is better than Mane at is close control at pace. Mane is more of a player that um, takes the player on one on one. He I. Like he he obviously is able to run with the ball close to his feet and pace get around players, but yeah. Werner is one of the best in the in the world at that, and that's the most impressive aspect about Timo Werner. Otherwise, no. Yeah, <laughs> if, I'm defender, Timo Werner, Werner. Well, if, if I'm a defender, if I'm a defender, right? If you if you're a right back and you're playing against uh, one of those two. I'm thinking to myself, Manny's going to ask you more questions. Personally, I think there's more he can there's more he can do to hurt the opposition than I think Werner has currently displayed, particularly for Chelsea. I mean, you're arguing with mate like he's been he's been the best left midfielder in the league for the last season and a half. He's been one of the best left, uh, left midfielders in the world. I mean, who's been better than him on a consistent well, okay, basis? Fine. So Werner got 28 goals in 34 games last year in the Bundesliga he's, as a striker. Uh, playing as a two, yeah, but then he. But he then, played as a striker. Then, but then Marne, Marne and Salah do a similar thing where Salah, Firmino drops in and they play. No, I'm aware he plays in the inside forward. But what I'm saying to you is, he plays off the left. He gets 20 goals a season. He's one of the best, like one versus one attackers I've seen in a long, long time. I don't think you can compare them at this moment in time. And like as a front three, they're just they're good. Look, Chelsea squad to get back to what we were talking about is is really good. Shut down the conversation. <laughs> Let's move on. Well, no, I, I, I mean, we can talk about Liverpool if you want, but... Um, no, no, you're... you're I think going. Liverpool... Pre- I, I just think that you, you can't argue with the fact that they've, they've won a Champions League and a Premier League with that front three. You um, can't compare them at the moment, Rob. 
Mane got 18 um, goals in the league last year. and How many? 18. And right. Werner so what was that? Third most? Fourth most? Uh, I'll have a look. It was because the top goal scorer didn't get more than about 23. It was Vardy, Vardy, Obama, Vardy, I think. probably Salah. I don't think many more people would have outscored him. Kane didn't play half the season. Um, Vardy, Bamiang, Inks, Danny uh, Ings is mine, yeah, Sterling, Salah, uh, and then Kane's equal of him, but right? Not, so but 18 what, goals. What, 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 what if I think if you put Pulisic in that team, he gets 20 goals. I think if you put Ziek in that team, that's a valid point. He's a great player, Pulisic. I think he's really good. I mean, look, you're but talking that, to an Arsenal but, fan here. I'll take any of them. But that's, yeah. what, but that's what I mean when I say their they're quality. But I think Klopp's so good in just getting the best out of them that he can do that with someone like Mane. So when you look at someone like Lampard at Chelsea, yeah, so yeah. all of a sudden the question changes around him of, you had this player, Werner, getting 28 goals in the league last year, who looked elite. He was starting for Germany and uh, looked like he's really lived line for the future. Um, All of a sudden he's... He just looks like he's a bit lost, especially the Everton team that didn't have Hamas Rodriguez. Sigurdsson had a really good game and was my player of the, player of the match week, but God, like, they just did a job, didn't they, Everton? Twenty eight percent possession, yeah. just a dogged, really hard working team performance. If you're talking about Chelsea and you talk about some of the games they haven't scored in, I think one of them I would particularly cite is when they went to Old Trafford. Nil nil draw, it's fine. You don't lose any ground of it. It's exactly what Man City picked up this weekend. But Man United aren't setting the world alight on, you know, at home this season. And one of the things I would say is that last season, Lampard got done three times by Solskjaer, where he did exactly the same thing in all three games. He did the double over him in the yeah. league and beat him in the League Cup. I'd also like to say he... that, in that in that game, that Man United Chelsea game, Man United are the only team that was scoring. Yeah, they did. If anyone was going to win it, it was them. I mean, you know, both teams were pretty passive. Man United were better, but, you, you know, you should be as the home team. But what I was going to say on Chelsea is, Lampard, I think a top manager, so if you're talking about, you know, a Klopp or a Guardiola or some of the German managers you're always banging about, on about Bob, I think they find a way to be proactive and combat the Solskjaer sit-in and counter-attack. And Lampard's only way of doing it in that game was to say, okay, well, we're not going to attack you then. You can have it. We're going to counter-attack. He did the same against... um... Tottenham. Yeah. And I didn't think that was a bad point because I thought actually they they were the better team. Um, if anyone was going to win it, it was Chelsea. But I I take your point. If you add them all up, you know Liverpool at home. I know there's a red card, but it was exactly this, they played Havertz up front. They were just trying to hit Liverpool yeah. on the break. So you know I get what you're saying. There's a theme emerging in some of these games, and it's difficult to be critical of them. But one statistic I saw, which was quite interesting, is they had more points before the game on Saturday this time last season. Yeah, and I know fix, you know, the fixtures will have been different and there's mitigated keen circumstances and everyone's got less points than last year, but it's still worth saying they spent over 200 million on the on seven players this summer. To have less points than they had this time last year, you know, it's something they've got to be looking at. The, the, the league's wide open. If they can put together a run, that, there's no reason they can't win it on ability. Yeah. But he could be the biggest limiting factor. Uh, and I honestly think he could be the reason they don't, which would... Mm. I, I, I'm sure here's a question I'd love to ask to a Chelsea Go fan on. of and if uh, anyone wants to, any Chelsea fan wants to tweet us this if you have the choice between having Lampard as your manager of the year and finishing second or sacking Lampard now getting Allegri in and winning the league what would you do? I wouldn't um, at this stage sack I'm not, I'm not, any manager I'm, I'm, uh, not, or... I'm, not, I'm not saying you sat Lampard but if, if, okay. if, if you knew what, if you could see the future and you knew mm. what was going to happen which one would you do? Cool. 
We know what they'll do, though. We know how they run as a club. If he doesn't win the title this season, he'll sack him. I don't care if he's a Chelsea man. We know their modus operandi. Yeah. Managers get two or three seasons. It's short but effective management. How many managers has Roman Abramovich been through since he's been there? 12, I think. It, it must be at least 12. Um, so, you know, he won't have any hesitation, I really don't think, that if he's not performing and they don't seriously challenge a Premier League, I think there'll be huge pressure from the hierarchy and he could well go. But we're uh, talking, but you, you know, at the end of the season. But don't you think that they're, like, the, appointment, uh, the appointment of Lampard itself is a change of philosophy in terms of... You'd it think was, so. It was, You'd like, think so. out of, you know... I don't know. Really I get what you're saying. Was... No, I, I, I get what you're presenting. Because I, it was, yeah. you know... I actually don't think so. I think they got forced into the Lampard move because Sally got poached by Juve. And, and Rafa Benitez was, was the favourite for the job for a long time. They wouldn't have him back there, though. They no. would not have him back there. Because remember when they had him and they won the Europa League and they, was, they couldn't keep him. They hated there, him. But there was no option. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Lampard was their only option. So the idea that they changed philosophy... At the time, it's all timing with that, isn't it, with managers sometimes. Yeah. like It's kind of who who's available when your manager goes. Um, I agree with you to an extent on Lampard, though, because it does represent what, in theory, should be a change in the philosophy of the club and the way it's yeah. kind of run. And how they're gonna, you know, go about getting managers in and trying to trying to build a legacy ultimately, right? Or let someone build a legacy. But I honestly think that if Lampard doesn't perform, Abramovich knows only one way, and I think he will get rid of him. Yeah, uh, would be my I, prediction. I, if he's flailing, if, go ahead, Ali. If 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 Lampard gets Champions League this season, he continues. Yeah, yeah, I agree with um, that. Even I Frank that. Lampard himself was um, after the game against Everton. He uh, he did say that the squad are not there yet in terms of a league win, or mm. it might have been the press conference yeah, he talked to uh, today. I'd, I'd love to no, see it, was, it was the interview afterwards. The interview sport. after the Everton game. I'd love to uh, see it Chelsea are not at a, at a at a like a space where they can win the squad yet. So it clearly is a work in process, and clearly everyone knows that. I'd love, um, see, I'd love to see a manager so prob- just after about 10 games just be like, yeah, we're title favourites here. Yeah, everyone else can go home. We're they title don't, do they? They all palm it off I on do. each other. I, I, hmm. Yeah. It's a good point, actually. But at the same it's time... It's mind games, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it might be mind games, but I, it, I thought um, he was... Not with Lampard. I mean, when, like, I think Klopp said, like, Chelsea are favourites or something like that. It's it's all mind yeah. game between managers in these press conferences. I don't... I doubt he honestly believes that. I know Liverpool have got injuries, but, mm-hmm. he, like, over a season, I still expect them to finish above Chelsea. I expect Chelsea to be in the top four, and I expect them to mount, mount a, you know, decent shot at it. But I do. I think, you know, it's difficult to be overly critical of him if he comes up short in his second season. I think it'll be crunch in the third season. Or if they really, if they're, if they're in the Champions League or in the Europa, but they're just like way off, I think then they've got a decision to make. If it's not obvious they've progressed from last season, like 10 or 15 points better off at least, I think. The sample size of the games they've played against top half teams would suggest there is a problem. However, I don't think that will continue for very long. There will be, um, there will come a time when he will pick up points against, or like pick up wins against top half teams. It, it will, it will have to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but the point you make about his tactical nous against um, more established managers is a great one. But that is part of it. He is not. Uh, he is part. He is. Um, he's still. He's still learning. He's in, in his third season of management. His only mm. season before he went to Chelsea was a derby. Yeah. Um, so, 
like I I would think of the Chelsea thing as a long-term project when you look at the signings they brought in. Kai Havertz was a long-term sign, like uh, signing made for the long term and was made over a number of years. Um, same with Timo Werner, he's 22. Um, Christian Pulis- Oh, really? Okay. Um, but their their average age is a pretty young one. Um, it's, it's a good profile of player, yeah. And it, a lot of like the options in the front line are actually ridiculous when you look yeah. at the number of front threes that you can put in there. Um, their results against the top half, like I, I my uh, my video on YouTube, the first one I uploaded the other day, I gave Chelsea an A, and that sounds ridiculous now. Um, but I do I do like the system there. When at the start of the season. I think he was pretty unlucky with the injuries of um, Pulisic, then Ziyech, uh, and then um, like they weren't available together at all. Uh, yeah. Both were were missing at the start of the season, so you had ha- uh, Havertz on the wing and Mount on the other side, and it was something mad like that. Mm. Um, I think if he has the full squad of players, uh, so when you have Pulisic with Ziyech, with um Werner those three starting together or you can put Tammy Abraham there as well they'll become a real force um just not quite yet this year but they are good enough to finish off I don't think there's much region like Um, given the sample size yes you can start asking questions but mm. not many uh moving on and this is something that was tweeted at us from Nick Mee uh my tutor uh when I did some work experience which is shout out to Nick uh he's talked about second syndrome and the idea that uh, when you get to promoted, you're you get promoted on the idea of a solid defense, and then adapting higher up in the pitch and adding quality. Uh, so wait for when you go up, and then uh, the a problem afterwards is that you uh, struggle to take that next step. And uh, t- teams who are promoted with uh, brilliant offensive and possession styles find it difficult. You think about Norwich last year. No, yeah. And uh, so yeah, so I think. This idea that you have when you get promoted, uh, and you're you're built on the solid defence, and then you uh, you come up and you're because you know defence is often is what will keep you up. Uh, you stay up for the first year like lots of teams do, and then second season you look to adapt, or maybe you get worked out a bit, and then you you drop down. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a thing I I I often I don't know if second season syndrome is a thing. I don't know if it's you know. What it is, if it's just you're you're being worse in your second season than you were in your first season because you came up and no one expected anything of you and now people expect something of you and you drop off. But I, all I think it is is literally, if three teams come up, one of them is going to overachieve, and that one that overachieves will often stay up, and the other two will go down, and the one that overachieves will probably come back to a norm. Mm. So. Yeah, so, like, the obvious example, obviously, this season would be Sheffield United, right? They come up last season. Um, who were the third team that came up last season? I, Villa. Villa. Yeah. Oh, last season, Villa. Last season yeah. would have been Villa, right? So they finished 17th. Obviously, Norwich oh, finished right. dead last. And Sheffield United finished uh, ninth, I think. I think they finished literally level on points of Arsenal. Um, really good season for them. And actually, to be fair, up until lockdown, they were, like, on points per game. They are in the Champions League positions. And then they sort of, you know, didn't have a great finish to the season. I think it runs a lot deeper than just, oh, well, teams have worked out how to play against Sheffield United because, you know, the access to technology that all these managers have nowadays. Like, last season, they 
we're an awkward team. They're really good at cutting passing lanes. Everyone does a job for the team. They're well organized. And they had some some joy. I don't know the exact statistic, but it felt like last season they were winning a lot of games by one goal. And it feels like this season, those fine margins in some of the games they've played just aren't going for them. And they're losing, you know, those games they were winning by a goal last season. They're now losing them by a goal. And suddenly you've got one point instead of however many they had this time last season. Um, I think one thing that's probably not spoken about enough is I just think that uh, Ramsdale such a downgrade on Henderson. He's so, so much worse. He's not an awful goalkeeper, but like Henderson was really good. And Ramsdale, he's not made any absolute howlers, but there's been so many where he's palmed it out or he's, you know, he's got hands to it and it's gone in and he just go, I think Henderson saved, you know, all of those, to be honest. I also also think Um, Henderson's really good aerially, which is part of... Yeah, and he doesn't doesn't command his area, Ramsdale. He's a bit kind of, he's a goalkeeper that I think, you know, he, he kind of, he doesn't calm the defense. You know, the big problem with Ramsdale for me is any ball that goes into the box has quadruple the chances of going in than when you had Dean Henderson there. Yeah, the goals like at the start of the 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 first game of the season, Wolves Wolves. I think went to Sheffield United. Uh, Remember the um, the size header? Yeah, where uh, it went right above his head. It wasn't at much height at all. And even when it was in the back of the net, it was like on the bottom of the net. So it went central to the goal. And Ramsdale made it seem like he's really making an effort to reach it. It's like stretching out, making it hard for himself Mm. too elaborately. His jumping reach is really poor. He's not he's not brave at all. It certainly doesn't show with yeah, the amount of the goals. Goal that against, come in at the near a... post. Sheffield United. How was Che Adams? First of all, how Che Adams was allowed to squeeze it in um, from between the legs of the defender? I think it was. I think it might have been John Egan. Um, yeah. But how how that snuck in on the near post when Adam Ramsdale's body language was one of fright. He was he was like that, and then he the ball snuck into the back of the net, and he was like. Oh, okay. Let's let's pretend to stretch out a hand and do this like one knee thing on the ground and pretend like I made an effort to save it. Like it snuck it. it it's it's a pretty unacceptable goal to concede. Mm. Um, it's the, I think that's the primary problem with Sheffield United defensively. Offensively, they are creating chances or just not finishing it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if they start to finish chances, especially especially, um, McBurney. The amount of easy chances they get headers at the six yard box that he, mm. that he puts over the bar is astonishing. So yeah. they currently have so, five goals, expected goals, expected goals has them at 12. So that is uh, that's I, just I just think they've got quite a lot army. of strikers that aren't that good. good. No, I, yeah, I, I yeah, only McBurney is uh, I don't know, I don't know any of their squads that good. Like, yeah, look at B- hmm. Bolstock, Lundstrom, these don't sound like... They were just all yeah. blokes that you can find down the pub, not people that should be playing the Premier League. I, I do know what That's you mean. That's pretty bold, Rob. That's pretty bold. They, they didn't finish ninth last season by random. But they're not. I get what he means. They're not household names, are they? Oh. A lot of their players. It just doesn't inspire me. <laughs> yeah, they're banging well. trouble. This is why I don't think Arsenal will be relegated because I think they're certainly going to be relegated, and then there's probably going to be two other teams that you well, know, Fulham yeah, West, West Brom. Brom and Fulham. You, yeah. you, you won't Whoa. finish below them, certainly. Sorry, what? Even Burnley, Burnley were crap. That's... How do we lose to them? <laughs> yeah, that's... Sorry, the 
Ali's great point about Burnley, uh, sorry, Fulham being relegation candidates, moves us on to pre- predictions for the weekend. Because, this is good. Okay, go on. Because last good. weekend, I said, as much as I predicted the Liverpool win, I said, Fulham aren't that bad. Uh, are they true? So, it's quite funny, actually, with Fulham that they did loads of business at the end of the window. And actually, you'd think, oh, well, that's just them, you know, like when you're in the supermarket, just grabbing whatever you yeah. see. Is it- <laughs> actually, the players they've brought in have meant that they haven't had to start some of the really, really poor players like Dennis Adoy, Tim Ream, Kamara, who comes on and gives away the bloody penalty. Like, these guys weren't Premier League standard two seasons ago when they were relegated. They're not now. Tim Ream's never Why been. would they be They're now? now. Exactly. They look a lot better. Now, whether their slow start's going to cost them, I don't know. Huh. But they were really good against Liverpool. I was so impressed. They were good. I think it, the crowd made it. Um, mm. But I also think we helped them out massively. We were trying. Yeah, to... we were um, really, really bad. So we'll, we'll have lots of time to talk about lots of. Cool we'll get on to Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll so I tell you what, last week there was a swing in the predictions. So mm-hmm. I I nailed it. I got seven out of ten, which has sent me first. Uh, so I've not twenty. Harry's on nineteen, and the guests on fifteen. Right. So hold on. Hold on. I, I just want to ask you. Right, have you reviewed? the audio because yeah. you're trying to tell me i predicted the spurs win i did not yeah, predict did. a spurs win i didn't i predicted a desmond mate you, pre- you predicted three desmonds you predicted a desmond for wool uh sheffield uh, not sheffield united leeds west ham uh villa uh no, wolves. wolves and then it was tottenham crystal palace uh oh. I think it you was. just predicted that's no, been no, on that I think, one. Because no, Goose I... started laughing. He was like, I knew you were going to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, 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 I edited it on anyway. So give me a point. We're, t- we're tied. 20 no, no, no. I, I, made, uh, it's, I made sure when I was doing it that it was... I just ticked it up every time you said the, re- the correct score. So... Buddy, you're wrong. I'm telling you, go, you're, you're wrong. I'll go through it again. We'll review you've it. Do- yeah. You've doctored the audio then, because that's uh, not what I said. The, uh, football, uh, just on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, Wolves beat Chelsea. This is the right. this is the Amazon Prime week. Um, right. Ooh, tasty! So I like uh, the Amazon Prime week. I quite enjoyed it last year. I uh, last season Boxing Day, um, I downloaded VPN oh, what a and had Amazon Prime. Uh, I had four matches on four screens. Nice. Great! Just all the games all day from like half twelve to yeah, like I can't ten wait in the for evening. This year as well. is, is Boxing Day going to be on Amazon Prime this uh, this know. year as well? I don't actually know. I don't. I don't think it is. I think they got well, a different week. Like, yeah, uh, I, so, I don't know. I haven't checked. Uh, anyway. We're, Let's talk about the games this week on Amazon. Yeah, so Wolves v Chelsea. I Chelsea win. Wolves they looked a bit shabby. I mm. think I think they missed they missed Jota, they missed Jimenez. They missed Jota a bit. I think actually this season. So um, yeah, I think talk Chelsea... about their dealings quickly. Right, uh, I've got a big problem with it because you mentioned them last week. You mentioned George Mendes, and you know yeah, what yeah. a good job he's doing there. Well, hold on a minute. It's interesting though because they sell Jota for forty million. I mean, at the time, I think they all thought it was fair if reinvested properly, and they sell Matt Doherty for twelve million, which I think personally, for a Premier League proven player, I know he's not set the world alight at Spurs since he's gone there, but he was doing a pretty good job in that system. And they've brought in Nelson Semedo, who for me, the jury's out on him still. And they've brought in Fabio Silva, who might still be a good player, but he's 19 and they dropped 35 million on him. Why are they dropping 35 million on a 19-year-old Portuguese player? That's what you've got to ask yeah. yourself. Football manager, mate. Uh, football manager. <laughs> you see what, you see what, got. I, what I'm saying to you is George Mendes would have had a big part in that. Probably. 
Um, and that's what, that's what I mean about super agents running a club. I just don't think it's a model you want to follow. Uh, but he's good friends with uh, with Nuno, I hear. So that's what it is, though. So he got linked with the Arsenal job last year. And I was just like, yep, so basically we'd just be handing the keys to George Mendes and go, yep, go on, son. Uh, yeah, and he's no, fucked us over in the past, so I just didn't want it to happen. Uh, so Wolves, Chelsea? Um, God, I was ranting about Super Agents. forgot to make a prediction. Uh, I think a draw. I think a draw is a go safe result to bet on. A comfortable 2-0 Chelsea win. Uh, Manchester City v West Brom. Now, I've done my fantasy. I should recommend everyone does before the deadline. And good point, actually. Just flood the City players in. I, yeah, I I've, t- I've taken a minus four and hope that Aguero plays. So I've got Mar- I've now got Mares, KDB, and Aguero. I think KDB might be rested. Wait, you got Aguero? Uh, yeah. On what basis? Uh, he's really good at football. Uh, I hit how many minutes has he played? How many goals? He, he, he looked awful the other he night. He really, I know he scored. He looked really heavy. But if I that, get, that's if I, a shocker. If I get if I get this right, he gets like forty points guaranteed because it's West Brom. They can't uh, defend. Um, yeah, no, Man City win. I mean, it, it it might come back and bite me on the backside, but no. He's not going to play. And I think De Bruyne will be rested. It's just a hunch because there's another game at the week and they played Man United on, on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. And there's three games in a week. I think that it's a good game to rest him in, but we'll see. It, uh, it, I think a Man City win. Yeah. Even still, Mars will get a hat trick. Man City win. Man City, uh, Man City win, yeah. Yeah. Um, should be easy. Also, Southampton. Southampton win easily. <laughs> Southampton win. <laughs> easily. Uh, what I would say is we've got three games in a week. Obviously, we've lost the first one. And they always say it's really hard to win three games in a week. I'd be really surprised if we lose three in a week. I think if we lose three in a week, he's in big trouble. Um, buy, buy your troop shirts now. It's difficult, isn't it? Because <laughs> everything points towards Southampton win. And I'm looking at it. And I think it every week. I'm like, surely, surely it can't continue being this bad. Um, I'll be optimistic and predict a draw. Four. Go on, Harry. Go on. Um, Southampton uh, uh, win. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Leeds v Newcastle. The um. Oh, that's such a hard one to predict because with Newcastle, you don't know what's coming. Newcastle can't win. Every game, season. pretty much, I've predicted that whoever plays Newcastle to win, and mm. every time they, or not every time, obviously, but they seem to pull results out of everywhere. I, Ali, I've done that so for a year and a half, to be honest. So. Uh, Leeds will, Leeds will win that, I think. Yeah, so do I. I will go for a draw. Leeds are good at football, Newcastle aren't. And yet, <laughs> well, that's why you Newcastle say every single week about it. It's bad, isn't it? Leeds play. I think people are working Leeds out a little bit in terms of they go man to man, right? Yeah. If you have good ball carriers and people that can sort of take it on the half turn and go past their man, you can open them up. Yep. And West Ham the other night, it could have been four or five by the time they obviously got the goal to win it. Um, it really surprised me of Bielsa team being so bad on set pieces. You think all the preparation that goes yeah. into like before the game, but they just look awful. He'll address that, I'm sure. Sorry, FJC, I had to criticise them. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, but they, I, I'm not a fan of their um, defensive style, if you would, as well. Um, and hmm. Newcastle are certainly capable of breaking those lines because Leeds defend so high, and Newcastle have the lowest possession in the league. Are they getting a? Are they, they getting a result? Are they? Direct. Uh, they're gonna, uh, yeah, they're gonna result. It's gonna Newcastle be a draw. Or, I think. Okay, a draw. Um, draw. So Leicester v Everton. This is, seems like a cracker. This is the, yeah. uh, the not in the top six, but probably should be derby. Um, yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, Leicester win at home. Leicester at home, by the way. Yeah. Leicester at Leicester, home. Leicester's yeah. XG was like 1.2 yesterday. They scored three really good yeah. goals. With a penalty. Um, was one was a was one a penalty? I don't know. I don't maybe, think it. I don't think it was. It Madison got two. Vardy got one. I don't think it was a penalty. No, no, none were, were a penalty. No, no, no. no. I'm thinking think about the Vardy goal. My apologies. Um, where are you going for? Uh, yeah, if, Leicester, I think Leicester, Leicester, win, the Leicester win. They're not going to win the league, but they'll win that game. <laughs> uh, they're going to win the game, but it's not going to be easy. But they'll win. Uh. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw, but they'll win. I, my prediction. I quite, I'm quite looking forward to it. I might, I might watch this game because no one else will. Fulham v Brighton. <laughs> no, I, I will if I have the chance because it's, it's very intriguing. Uh, Brighton were, for once, were actually really poor against Leicester. That's the first time I've seen them oh, actually yeah. be properly poor this year, mm. and it's just annoying how many points they're on. But I below get... Arsenal, mate. <laughs> I know. Oh. <laughs> that's terrible there, that's saying okay. something here's something for you the expected that's points something. has them higher than Tottenham I know I've seen higher than mm. Tottenham um, yeah. so with that reason I will get, go for Fulham um. uh, Fulham <laughs> uh, wait who's at home here Fulham Fulham at home they won't have crowds right or no, will they no it's tier 3 okay um, I, just, I just think the crowd played a big part in that all, draw against all 2000 of them that's a really tough one, actually. Um, I th- I'll go Brighton. I'll go Brighton. I just that... don't think Fulham are that good. I, I think the Liverpool <laughs> results are largely down because we were bad. Uh, and they could have won, and they should have won. Yeah. But Brighton are going to win this one. I've, I've not predicted a Desmond yet, have I? No. You It'll be a Desmond. Desmond. It'll be a Desmond. Desmond. We've got to get at least one Desmond. Scored two goals a game. Uh, the next one's in, this. This next one is the uh, between the two proper title challenges with Leicester uh, of Liverpool v Spurs. I think we <laughs> should talk about them both a little bit did there. on the weekend like, in, in terms of their performances because we haven't really talked about some of the other games. Um, yeah, obviously Ali could talk about Liverpool on the on the Spurs game. I was really unimpressed with what they ended up doing in that game because they started really quick. First twenty five minutes, they were really good. They were at it. They were creating chances. Dominating possession. Kane gets a weird goal. I mean, Gaeta had one of the weirdest games I've ever seen a goalkeeper have in terms of he made about three worldy saves and then let in a goal from 30 yards, literally in the middle of his goal. Um, and then Tottenham basically did what they always do, which is didn't play football after that. Just went, OK, you have it. We'll defend. And they defended well. And then Lloris dropped the ball. And Palace scored, and it's like that's all it takes at one nil up. I know. You know, it's almost like it's a risky strategy to adopt. It's almost like you shouldn't do it. Like you know, it might cost yeah. Tottenham at the end of the season. Well, it's just that what. Fr- well, I say frustrated me. I obviously I want to see him drop points, but I, if I was a Tottenham fan, I was watching that, and I'm thinking, you know, we were caning them. We were caning them for twelve. I mean, Kane gets the goal, but we were battering them for twenty five minutes. Sorry, that was awful. <laughs> that was awful. He just got Kane. Just go okay. But no, they were playing really well for 25 minutes, and then it was like, okay, we've done what we need to do now. We've got that one goal. Now we'll do. Now we'll shut up shop. And I mean, it's one thing doing it in their last three games; they did it in, but you know, that that was poor. But yeah, I mean, what did you make of Liverpool, Ali? Liverpool, horrendous. We the the Fabinho penalty gets given, and we. Like, we booze that game. Look, now we 
the thing is, the thing is, right? We didn't buy a uh, defender in the January transfer window, and before the window ended, I I said when uh, remember the back to back days we bought Thiago and Jota, yeah, uh, that weekend, and I was like, this is still a six out of ten window if we didn't buy a defender that can come in for a starting defender in that team and perform week in week out, mm. and we have not done that. I think. A defender was a more important signing than Thiago, um, even though Thiago is ability-wise probably our best defender. That says something, but we already had a great midfield, but our mm. defense is paper thin. And what you've seen, it's the worst Pop case scenario. Pulling a okay. few faces. Cool. I uh, like we. An- we another, can t- an- you day. can respond to me after I finish my point, Rob. But I, I would be <laughs> actually intrigued to to hear your kind of response to that. Our it's the worst case scenario. It's unbelievable the amount of injuries we have, especially in center back, where the only capable senior player at playing at center back is not even a center mm. back. The most logical center back pairing you play if you're playing the players in the correct positions are Reese Williams of Forest Green Rovers and um, uh, Nathaniel Phillips Nathaniel of Phillips. Stuttgart. Yeah. So yeah. it's dire at the back, in my opinion, right now. Uh, he plays at Tottenham, mate. Um, what's that? He plays at top- You said it's dire at the back, but he plays at Tottenham, mate. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well done. Um, mm. I, I'm not optimistic about the, um, the kind of next run of games at the moment. We have Tottenham. I think the way, we're, the home, way we the way. play, first of all, we're it's a home uh, at Anfield, uh, we have a crowd. Anfield. Anfield. I know, um, but the way we play, I think, kind of lends itself to to Spurs. But I think Mourinho is smart enough to kind of keep uh, Trent and Robertson or whoever's right back and left back cautious enough to stay at the back more often than than driving for it, as we've seen uh, in the past couple of seasons. So we can limit those counterattacking opportunities. Kane to Son, as we've seen all season. But I think Tottenham can get a result out of us because we don't have a fast enough center back pairing, uh, at the very I least. I thought on uh, Sunday it was quite, or yesterday it was quite telling that at half time he put Jordan Henderson there and he didn't yeah. put Nat Phillips there because Nat Phillips he's good in the air, but he can't run. I mean, you saw it against Brighton; they kept dropping the balls in behind for Connolly. I think it was, and he was just yeah. like. It really. It wasn't just him, but they were struggling with with those balls into the channels. And I just thought that with the pacey forwards Fulham had, it was it was the only kind of decision he could make. And I think, as you say, like it'd be a really hard game for him to play that. I don't know what the fitness status of Matip is, but um, uh, Matip went out uh, with a back spasm. Um, he's, no, he's it's not known whether or not right. uh, he will be fit or not. I'd imagine yeah. the way Klopp operates would suggest he won't be playing against Spurs. So mm. I think. Gonna see a center back pairing of Reese Williams or and Fabinho or Henderson and Fabinho. And <laughs> either way, it's it, Henderson and Fabinho's back can is I just wild. say your midfield is the most overrated midfield in the league. Why Thank Nalden, you very much. Why Nardin's the most overrated player? Henderson's a passenger. Milner does a lot of running. You have to rely on you have to rely on Van Dyke and your fullbacks to do all the defensive work and maybe a bit of Joe the, the fullbacks to the defensive. Should we save this for another? Hold point? on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. Yeah. Uh, Van Dyke's been injured <laughs> since Everton, mate, and we still have won pretty much every single game since then. Because Allison, Allison's really good. 
Allison is really well. Good. We had Allison out for a little while. Too. Injured as well, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, while for yeah. while. Uh, uh, and you lost 7-2 to Villa. <laughs> well, we had Kelleher after that, and we I think we played a pretty good damn game against uh, uh, Wolves and then you, uh, then in the Champions against, League as well. But then you were shit against Midtjylland. It's Midtjylland. We, we, it's it's a friendly. <laughs> it's a non-game, that Midtjylland game. I'm astonished he played Diogo Jota. Started Salah, started Fabinho. It's it's just mind-boggling to me. Um, um, but I completely disagree. Uh, the, I don't think there's much room for discussion here because I think your opinion is, is really strong. We'll get you will, back on it. We'll get you back on it. We will discuss this I'm, in more I'm, detail. I'm, I'm a, yeah, we can. I'm a we can. the time as well, so. Score. Yeah. yeah, go on. Liverpool win. Score it. 1-1. One, one. Uh, draw. Rob said all that and he's predicted a Liverpool win. Uh, I should be minded to say, and Goose will, you know, go mental if I don't. Tottenham have been unlucky at Anfield in recent years to not take away from the game more than they have done. You think last year, obviously, they lose the game 2 1. Son hits the bar, they're 1 0 up. Yeah. That would have been 2 0, probably game over. The previous year, uh, it was a late own goal, well. wasn't it? And it was the one where Sissoko oh, yeah. went through and he put it over the bar in like the yep. 85th minute or something. Yep. You know, again, if that goes in different. So, however, they're getting beat 4 0. All that, you know, I'll, I'll build them up, but they're getting beat 4 0. Parcel uh, and Harry Nickel. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, West Ham, okay, Crystal Palace. West Ham win. West Ham look really good. Um, so, yeah. I quite like West Ham. Not as a. Uh, West Ham versus You do quite like yeah, West Ham. Yeah. I like, I, I like um, Jared Bowen. I'm pleasantly surprised by them. Desmond. Oh, so have I. So have I. Um, well, not pleasantly. I've just been surprised. <laughs> Villa v Burnley. Don't Villa. care. No. Claret and Blue Derby. The Claret and Blue Derby, yeah, that's true. Uh, Villa, Villa are going to win this one comfortably, I think. Uh, what was and... Villa won 1-0 on Saturday. Yeah, dr- draw. Um, Sheffield United v Man United. Man United's away record's mad. Yeah, but game. it would be so Man United to lose this game. <laughs> exactly yeah, so it would be, Man it would be very to Man United there. to lose this game. Uh, no, yeah, I'm still going to predict Man United. It's, it's, I, I think yeah. they'll honestly probably go 1-0 down and then win like 4-1. Yeah, a bit like, a bit like they did against Newcastle hmm. last year. I think. They're doing it all season, mate. They, they've gone down in every single away game so far and won every single away game. It's bonkers, but it can't continue. That's the thing. It's not, it's not sustainable to keep going behind in away games and winning it in moments. Um, uh, they'll win. They'll win pretty comfortably. Yeah, I think they they should really, shouldn't they? Yeah. Build Poor Sheffield United. Down when they lose. Um, Poor yep. Sheffield United. And, yep. Uh, Clip that up. And if you're and if you're here for the football, uh, thanks thanks for listening. But we'll move on to away best the part game. of the show. Best part. What have we got this week? So suspect arrested after ending neck deep in a slurry pit during police chase. So this person was in a stolen car. Um. And they had to get dra- dragged out by the police because their car, got, the car they were in, got hit into the uh, muck, basically. Uh, so yeah, they they uh, they rescued, they got rescued, and they basically got pulled out, and they were just covered in cow shit. So <laughs> uh, yes, well, I'm pretty sure they would have killed them if they went neck deep, just like drowning. Mm. But wow, imagine dying through cow shit. What a way to go! What a way to, what a way way to go. go! And the photo on it, it's got like I've just I've just had a look at the article actually. Yeah, <laughs> the photo has got his like, got his you know he's covered in shit. Uh, he's got a bit of underwear and he's still covered in shit, but the underwear's not. It makes pretty grim grim viewing, doesn't it? it? Does. Uh, so <laughs> I'm looking at it now. Whereabouts was this? This was in 
Um, good question. I don't think it says. Doesn't say. No. Yeah, it doesn't say here. Hmm. Sussex. 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 Uh, posh right. uh, bit country <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and it is south of Watford's posh, in my opinion. Um. <laughs> and tier uh, three. Yeah. And tier three. And the next one. And I don't, I, I don't watch the news much. But apparently there was snow in Scotland and the UK weather. Thunder Never snow, believe that. Snow in Scotland. Thunder it's snow reported in about. Edinburgh. Uh, was so loud the police were called about explosions. So the snow was going off. It was going mental. And people thought, shit, something's blowing up. And like, <laughs> I'm sorry. You look out your window and you're snowing. You hear some loud noises. I don't think, you know. I don't think some yeah. pyro... Someone's dropped a bomb or something, yeah. yeah. I, was just I like, didn't think about people... this. Why are thunderstorms... Uh, co- why do thunderstorms come uh, come with rain, but not with snow? Like, it's the same process of clouds accumulating, and, the you know, the I thunder think, happens. I, I think it's because there's the hot, hot air involved with the cold air to make the thunder. Okay. that that What you've but... just said there is a load of hot air, mate. You just pulled that out your ass. <laughs> I have. I honestly... I, I think I should know, but I don't. Uh, um, no, neither do I. No. Uh, but it's interesting why there haven't been any thunder snows that I've ever seen. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that probably... I, I haven't ever... Uh, a thunder snow, though. Oh. Um, Did I say thunderstorm? Sorry, yeah. that happened. No, no, um, yeah, it's fine. Um, I've never seen a thunder snow before. What's been the worst? Yeah, what's what's been the worst weather you've ever experienced? Oh, I'll tell you a story. Um, so we were. We uh, I was flying. I was flying. It's. A, I'll try to make it short because it's a really long one. I was flying back. I was in Egypt and fly for with the family. Flying back to uh, New York, and um, the plane right when it was descending. Um, there was an announcement we're gonna land in Toronto instead because there's a uh, big snowstorm and the uh, the airport's closed, right? So we land in uh, Toronto and it turns out it's like the worst snowstorm in the century, and the temperatures are below zero Fahrenheit. Really? So yeah, it was below zero Fahrenheit. So uh, we stayed at the airport. Uh, there's a big thing of we don't know what's gonna happen next. When's the airport gonna open? Nobody knows. Um, I had an internal flight for, from New York to Virginia. That was obviously canceled. Um, but then we go out to get a taxi to get us to, to an hotel uh, eventually when uh, when we land in New York like the next day. Um, and the weather was honestly... Well, there weren't any snows, but honestly, I've not seen... It was ungodly cold. Huh. It was cold like Just I've like never it. experienced. Zero Fahrenheit. Like Below zero Fahrenheit. <laughs> And when we went out uh, to get the cab, it was like actually a little bit better because the the snow had subsided, but the remnants of the weather it was awful. It was absolutely cold. awful in, in the UK. Uh, we don't and, get that. Uh, or no. like my, mine was probably the Sunday when it absolutely absolutely hammered it down. I was like, yeah, let's go, let's go for an eighteen miles. Uh, that was you know, <laughs> wow. That was oh, about three quarters of the way through. You're like I'm eighteen miles swim. Yeah, basically. Eighteen miles swim. That's what Good it felt point. Like a punch. But uh, yeah. God, no, that's compared to zero Fahrenheit. And by the way, it's saying something because I like cold. I I don't like the summer much. I like the winter, but that's minus seventeen point seven Celsius. That's it was. Like, that's like I. That's like cold in Iceland. Bloody hell! 
There you go. Not very, not very pleasant. Have you got any, not very pleasant uh, at all. Weather, weather right, not really, because we don't get very, you know, I mean, I mean, we get a bit of snow sometimes, don't we? Yeah. But generally, you know, just in the in the southeast where I'm, you know, it, the summers are all right, but mm-hmm. obviously we were stuck inside for bloody most of it with the coronavirus. But then, like, you just get rain. It's just miserable. I mean, I was for my uni, I was down in the southwest. It rained, I reckon, for about four months. It just didn't stop raining. Yeah, single day no, just no, never stopped a, a walk back after a night out in the rain is so fun because you, you yeah, just... yeah, yeah when, you, when you're a bit pissed it is yeah yeah when you're but absolutely blind yeah th- there's nothing more english than complaining about the weather though oh it's another great great day where it's pissing it down you yeah. just got you love it absolutely anyway, love it anyway thank you thank you for everyone for listening uh for this week's just another football podcast thank you ali and harry for joining me and, Thank uh, you very much. It was pleasure, pleasure. We'll we'll make two this weekend because there's two mm. fixtures, so it should be exciting. Yeah. Listen out for that one. So I'll see you all next time.